welcome to SED. I'm your host, Jane Dagme, Editor-in-Chief of Designers Today. SED covers the wonderful industry of interior design from various, often eclectic, angles. At its most literal, SED is the spoken complement to what's written in the pages of our magazine. Esoterically speaking, SED, S-A-I-D, stands for Something About Interior Designers. In a nutshell, the podcast is devoted to the ongoing curiosity and admiration we have for these diverse, passionate, and often quirky individuals. SED celebrates the way they think, work, live, and define themselves. Enough said. Let's get into our show. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. Today, my guests are Mike Peterson, founder of Visionary Design Marketing, and Linda Kafka, Executive Director of the Live Able Design Summit. Both Mike and Linda have worn many hats in the design and home furnishings industry, and they put their heads together recently, along with many experts in the field, to create the inaugural Science in Design Summit, which explores the cutting-edge study of neuroaesthetics and the emotional and psychological health benefits of beauty and fine design. In addition to taking away many interesting facts and ideas that Linda and Mike have discovered and uncovered in their own research and work, what is so obvious in our conversation is their passion for spreading the word about health-based design and their encouragement for designers and architects to understand the value of this in their work. At the time that we recorded the podcast, we all thought the summit could be a hybrid, physical, in-person, and virtual event taking place at High Point Market. However, everyone involved with the big day agreed that a 100% virtual program would be best. And so on Friday, October 15th, beginning at 9 a.m., the Science and Design Summit will begin online and last for the good portion of the day. There are six CEU credits and the cost is $99. For more information and to register, go to Visionary Design Marketing. Com. Also, make sure to check out the Live Able Design Summit happening online October 27th to 29th. This is a trade-focused conference on ageless living, accessibility, and wellness. And you can find out more about that at livablecanada.com. And now let's get into my conversation with Linda and Mike. Welcome, Linda and Mike. It is so nice to have you here. Mike, you have been in the furniture and design industry for quite some time and have worn many different hats. <laughs> and yet there's a common denominator at, at your core. And it's really, uh, for me, when I look at you, I think about marketing, positioning, and sales, right? Turning sure. a profit. Sure. Um, with Design Harmony, you're diving deep. Um, it's become your thing. And I'm just curious, what motivates you? Well, for me, this all started in uh, December of 2015 when I had lunch with uh, an architect in Denver. And his name is Don Ruggles. And uh, it was really fortuitous uh, because he started me on, on this path of looking into health-based design. Uh, Don um, is the author of the book, Beauty, Neuroscience and Architecture, and he's also the producer of the film documentary, Built Beautiful, and Architecture and Neuroscience Love Story. And he just started talking at lunch about how beauty and aesthetics and good design actually improve health. And that it's no longer anecdotal. 
that uh, he was working with Johns Hopkins, the Salk Institute, uh, Boston Architectural College. And it for me, the light bulb went on. And, you know, I, I actually left my job at the time and said, I'm going to devote the next five or six years. And that's what it's been uh, to helping the design industry. Uh, designers in particular understand the value proposition they have and that it's so much greater than just creating a an attractive room. Designers improve health. And it's not me saying that. It's the scientists. It's the medical industry. It's now quantifiable. And that's kind of what got me started. And that's why we're here today. Thank you. Uh, Linda, you too have a place, a very secure place in the sort of living in place, aging in place, inclusive design world, and now um, engaging with Mike in the Science and Design Summit. So where can you talk a little bit about your passion for this segment of design? Thank you. Actually, you know, I, I uh, my original career path was architecture. Um, I ended up in marketing. So 35 years later, um, I'm, I, I am here where I am today. But this actually whole path started when I uh, was the managing director and marketing director for uh, Canada's only design center based in Toronto. And that was back in 2009. And it was really the designers that were coming into the, the Canadian designers that were using the facility that were starting to talk about um, really, it started with aging in place. Um, it was a big issue. And a lot of them were heading to the States to get knowledge and, um, and to train. And as we talked more and more about it and, and I started to connect, um, you know, with the different organizations and I was discovering um you know, uh, organizations like the International Well Building Standards and, and you know, and, and these different aging in place training programs and living in place. It just all kind of came together. And I left the design center in 2017, very much like Mike, uh, leaving his job to really pursue this because I saw the value that it was bringing to the design build sector, having greater understanding and knowledge of, of you know, how our consumers are changing, how that's going to affect our business, but what was really top of mind and wellness was really that overarching um, umbrella over it. So during this time, I became well AP certified and really looking at, um, you know, as, as when I was on the board of directors for the Interior Designers of Canada, very much like ASID type of organization or IIDA, um, we, we um, were really looking at commercial sector. And so there were several uh, takeaways from the commercial sector that we could bring to residential. So that that's kind of it in a nutshell. Um, but there is a bit bigger story to that whole how I ended up connecting with Mike. Well, and we're certainly going to figure that out. Um, but w w one of the big reasons why we're here is because you guys have launched this Science and Design Summit that's coming up at High Point, and it's a pretty big deal. And so I want to first just please tell the listeners what exactly is it. And how did you two come up with the idea? Well, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Well, look, with the growing interest in uh, in health based design. And by the way, just just so that you know, I focus more on the word health. And one of the reasons is that the word wellness and well-being is is almost has become ubiquitous. It's it's becoming a little diluted because everybody wants a piece of that word. So we're really talking about uh, emotional and physical and mental health of the individual. And so if they're doing a series of, of seminars around the country in the last couple of years, it just became time uh, that, that we pull something big together. And if I'm talking to Johns Hopkins and if I'm talking to Boston Architectural College and these other, these other institutions, let's bring academia to the world of commerce. 
Um, the academics love to talk amongst themselves. Uh, they love using those six-syllable words that I don't understand sometimes. Uh, but what we're trying to do is bring that, take that out of the world of academia and bring it to the world of interior design. That's and that's why we said, okay, let's do it big. Let's do it big time in October. And that's why we came up with the Idea of Science and Design Summit. And Linda's been prodding me. I've been working with Linda for the last year or two. And she said, let's just go big. So we're going big. This is going to be, I have to tell you, that it's going to be a game changer. There's no question about it. Uh, when, we, when we all begin to understand as a design industry that it's more than just a pretty face, that we actually help people live better and it's provable, um, it, it changes the depth and the dimension of who we are as an industry. And I'm, I'm, thank you so much, actually, for, you know, speaking of wellness versus health, because I feel like when you talk about health, we're talking about not just a qualitative state of being, but quantifiable, right? I mean, and, and that's science. And um, so, yeah, so it is, and that's proof. So thank I think, you. For I, think, I think what you just said is, is really important because this, this summit will be based on empirical data. Uh, this we will be talking about studies and and research uh, and and so that the the designer can leave with the full knowledge that they can start laying claim to improving health. You know, I think we all know that we do that anecdotally now. Oh, this is a pretty room. Oh, gosh, I love it. That kind of thing. But now they have the documentation. They can listen to the scientists and and affirm the fact that they improve their client's health. I think what's also important, if I can add into that, is is that um, when we were all talking um, and looking at LEED, you know, we started to see that greenwashing happening. And um, I suspect or, or many of us suspect that the same will start to happen with in the wellness under that wellness umbrella. And we will start to see a lot of well washing from a marketing perspective. Mike and I are both marketing professionals and, and you know, and, you know, you're going to look at ways to promote um your wellness within your own organization and you may not have that foundation so what mike is saying by designers really focusing on the health and and understanding that this is a health um, and how you improve your client's health you, it will be a, a, a true differentiator mm -hmm. you won't be able to you know this is something that you're not just going to be able to quickly come into and and then know it all it's it's kind of a progression of learning and so it's really important to to know that this is coming from a health perspective and that's what we're talking about, improving people's health. Yes. Um, so I want to talk about how you two met, you know, because you're <laughs> putting all your energy into this. And I think it also relates back to um, designers and why it's important. Uh, you know, anyway, let's just talk about how you met. So, Linda, I'd like you to start this off. Thank you. Thank you. Actually, it was 2019 um, High Point Market. And as uh, when I ran the design center, I was going to market. After I left the design center, I couldn't stop because, as we all know, there is so much value in market beyond um, the products that we're specifying. And I was literally I had driven down the market. Uh, the car was packed. Um, you know, my driver, my partner was with me and and he was ready to go. Uh, not a very patient man. And I and I was getting towards the end of the day and I just couldn't leave. I had had such a great market. And I said, I just got to go to one more one more session, please. I begged him. I said one more session. I promise, you know, I won't complain all the way home. And um, it's a long drive back to Canada. And I looked at the uh, schedule and Century, the only event that was really happening at the time was the Design Harmony event at Century. And I said, aha, I've got to go see what this is about. It really intrigued me. 
I was down at the Sweets at Market Square. I had to bolt it over to the Century Showroom. Like, you know, it was it was not, uh, you know, an easy run for me. And uh, got in there, walked in. The room was already set. Mike was ready to, to you know, start the presentation. And, and I jumped in. I disrupted his, his session. But it was that aha moment after listening to Design Harmony. And Mike and I just clicked at that time. And it, everything at that point all the years at the design center, the over 400 events that I had organized um, for the design industry up in the Canadian Toronto market, all of a sudden it all came together just in that one session of listening to Mike talk about design harmony and, and, and we've never turned back. And from there, Mike and I just hit the ground running. Mike, so I have to say thanks to Mike. <laughs> thank yeah. you, Mike. I never did thank you for that. Well, it, I, I just have to say it, it, it really has become uh, quite a team because uh, Linda has invited me to speak at her Livable Design Summit and uh, a couple of times. And so I've enjoyed doing that and helping uh, designers in the Canadian market. <clears throat> but we just we play very well. We really do. And uh, she's she's a, a, a she's a bundle of energy and uh, it keeps, keeps me hopping. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. Yes, that that I got from the first time that Linda and I had a had a conversation. I think it was like two days before the her uh, conference, her summit. So, yeah, it was like this woman has incredible energy. <laughs> and I just I do know, and this will be noted in show notes that after High Point, you've got your summit too. So it's I like. Do. You know, yeah. just keep on going, right? Actually, we I intentionally ran the Livable Design Summit right after High Point Market because for your listeners, um, if you haven't been to market, you need to go. If you haven't been in a while, you need to go. And if you're coming to market, you better show up at the Science and Design Summit because it's going to change uh -huh. the business. Um, but the point yes, is that there's so much at market that we can export beyond um, the products that we're purchasing down there or specifying down there. The relationships that you make are incredible. And, and, and that was Mike was one of many relationships that I've made at market. So thank for you. Sure. For that. Um, so why do you think it's important? I mean, we've talked about it a little bit, but let's talk about it in terms of business um, and, and the health that designers provide for their clients. Mike, you've been coaching at, um, designers on their value proposition for a long time. So talk a little bit about how health impacts that and what you've seen with some of the designers that you've worked with. Well, it, it, the reason it's important is because it adds a new authority uh, to their value proposition. Um, again, um, it, it's it's so important to uh, to give the client a reason to think of you as being different from the all the rest of the other designers. And so the fact that we're adding authority, we're adding a knowledge base, uh, helping these designers add a knowledge base is just going to separate them from the rest of the pack. For instance, you know, we're giving them the tools that they can use to talk about with their clients. One of the things we'll talk about at the summit is, is a study that was done by the Rusk Institute in New York, where the Rusk Institute took 107 cardio patients and prescribed that they go spend time in a nursery. So they didn't just spend time walking around. They literally had to put their hands in dirt and plant flowers. Now, the result was an average decrease in heart rate of five beats per minute. That's a six to seven percent decrease in the usage of the heart. Now, think about this over minutes, over hours, over days, over a lifetime. And that's the kind of knowledge that the designers will now have to speak to. And just think about it. Who how many designers are talking about that kind of a health benefit with their clients? They're not. 
And so I'm looking for early adopters. I'm looking for the people. I have a client in, in Charlotte, for instance, Clark and Clark Interiors. And I invite anybody listening to go to their website, clarkandclarkinteriors.com. They came to me uh, a year ago after listening to a design harmony and said, you know, we intuitively do what you're talking about, but we don't know how to structure it. And go to their website, look at their website, and you see how they're marketing themselves right now. And they're the, I guarantee you, they're the only people in Charlotte taking on design harmony, biophilic design, and, and differentiating themselves. And, and that's the value to this type of a summit. You will be able to take that information and, 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 and move your business forward. Mm-hmm. That's great. Um, so there will at the summit you'll be talking about this sort of how to market yourself because I, I guess a designer is not going to say you know um, at the Rusk Institute. I mean you know like they they may reference it, but you know they no, want to no, be no, armed no, no. with language that speaks to the client, right? Exactly, exactly. As a matter of fact, we actually have a segment in one of the presentations that talk about what we did with Clark and Clark. And they're just a perfect example because we built a whole ad campaign, new business cards, uh, website, a lot of different collateral. We're getting them editorial in magazines because they're so unique in their marketplace. And if I can add to that, we actually had uh, an interior designer, um, a registered interior designer equivalent to ASID in Toronto, a city mm-hmm. of over three million. Um, she she came and watched Mike's Design Harmony at the, at the uh, Livable Black Back uh, Livable um, Design Summit back in October last year, and she said it completely changed her business and she pivoted and and she incorporated all this and she said she couldn't be happier with the with the level of clientele that she's um, got and not only that but the, um, the what she's able to charge she's charging a lot more for her services now. And um, I just recently also came across another designer in Toronto that claims to be the only designer in, in the city of Toronto that is focused on, uh, she, she does reference wellness, but if you go to her website, she's listed neuroscience, uh, neuro, I should say neuroaesthetics, biophilia, circadian lighting. So in addition to, you know, the standard um, that designers do in terms of, um, you know, designing and planning and specifying products. She's layered this on and she said to me she couldn't be busier um, just as a result of, of promoting herself under that uh, wellness and, and health uh, knowledge that she's bringing to her clients now. That's so, so cool. Um, I want to talk a little bit about who you're bringing to the summit. You know, who is on the roster? And when you talk to these academics about coming to the high point furniture market, were they like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's interesting because I think I think the, the people like from Johns Hopkins, you know, they they do love talking amongst themselves, but they I'm not sure they always know how to get out into the world of commerce. Mm-hmm where their knowledge starts making money and by making money, it becomes more important. And then more people will talk about it in the world of commerce. So we have, we have the executive director from Johns Hopkins university school of medicine. We have Suchi Reddy, uh, president of a major architectural firm. Uh, we have people from the Mayo clinic. We have people from the university of Texas, uh, school of medicine that are going to be speaking or will be using their research. The, um, one of the things that, 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 to give you a teaser on, on some of the things we'll talk about, Dr. Claudia Miller is the head of medicine at University of Texas. And we talk, we use a quote from her where she says, architects and designers have a greater ability to improve health than medical professionals. Mm-hmm. Now, for the listeners, if that doesn't spin your head, 
Um, and then I don't know what will. You should, we all should have goosebumps because the people that we, we trust to improve our health are saying that we have a greater ability to improve health than they do. And it's because the home beauty and design um, it cures and it prevents. And so that's the excitement when you have that kind of authority. Um, one other thing you will hear from uh, the Susan McSalmon, I've already mentioned Johns Hopkins. She's the executive director of the International Arts and Mind Lab. And she will actually be speaking. And excuse me, she talks in terms of the need for aesthetic experiences being hardwired. They're an evolutionary imperative. They're encoded in our DNA because we were born as a human. We were born into aesthetics. So we, we can't live without it. We must have it. Now, think of what that means to designers. Designers are now doing something. They, their, their work is not passive or elective any longer. It's a fundamental need of the client. Well, you know, when you, when you say bo born with that, it, of course, I'm thinking of the need for the, the infant to connect, you know, to the contrast, light, dark, to the face. And, and I have heard Don Ruggles speak at times about architecture and facade and how it there's some mimicking of the fa the initial face and to a to a it, it's it's interesting because yes 65 percent of an infant's brain uh, without getting too deep into the weeds right now but 65 percent of the brain when they're born is spent on connecting with facial architecture and we never lose it in our life we can look at the front of a car and we see we see the facial images. Um, we 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 purposely look for facial imagery, uh, and this is deep into the subconscious. But we purposely look for facial imagery because it calms us. It, it helps connect us. And when I say born, I mean born as a species. I'm talking about a hundred thousand years ago, and and how we lived. Uh, so that's that. It, all this is so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> For sure. Um, and and wow, you are really packing it in in one day um, to the, you know, one big day. So, you know, any feat like this, creating a big giant summit with lots of takeaways and um, there will be CEUs, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There, we're doing six different sessions, which means there will be six CEUs. And Linda, I think we're we're looking to get all get them all in the health category. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Or most of them. Yeah. Yeah. I've applied for. I, I've put it through IDCEC. Um, our listeners would know what that is. And yes, they've gone into the health category. So so tell me. You know, we've talked about. Um, well, when you do something like this, you've got to pick the venue. You've got to um, get your speakers lined up. You know, um, so that it's appealing and compelling for the attendees that you want. And then, of course, um, this takes a lot of uh, logistics and there's finances. So you've got to get your sponsors. So this is a first time in High Point, you know, this sort of thing. What was your pitch to sponsors? I'm just curious. Well, it, it, I, what you're finding, uh, you're finding more and more corporations and businesses, whether they're aligned with furniture or whether they're aligned close to furniture, like a Crestron or a Sherwin-Williams, um, they're 
they're already in this space of providing healthier environments. Uh, certainly, when you think about color and the impact of color that, that Sherwin-Williams talks about, and they'll be presenting, and so will Crestron be presenting. Um, there, when you, I think what they heard from us was that we're trying to make a difference in an industry, and they want to be part of it. it I think they see it as a collective leadership opportunity um, when you have what these, these three companies, Universal Furniture, uh, Crestron, and Sherwin-Williams, and Linda and I, we're really trying to move the industry along. And, and this, this is a leadership opportunity that I think they wanted to gob onto uh, and be part of. And, and they've, they've been very helpful, really. Uh, each one of them are doing a special presentation, CEO credited, and, uh, uh, and they'll be in the afternoon of the, of, of the uh, summit. Mm-hmm. And in addition to that, um, Universal Furniture, again, jumped on this. I think that what mm-hmm. we're seeing is, is that these, these organizations and companies um, recognize the value. They also want to be part of, of change. They're change makers. And they recognize that in their own company, their own, you know, and, and what they're doing with their products. And I think it was just a natural fit. It's, it's that evolution. Where do we go next? And, um, and, and our health is, you know, we talk about it a lot in the commercial sector, but um, we weren't really talking about it in the residential sector. But if you look at everything from furnishings um, and as you do a deeper dive, Mike, into the biophilia, the curves, the natural um, fibers, you know, the fabrics, the fractal patterns in the fabrics, the paint colors you choose, the technology that you're bringing in, all of it starts to make sense. And, and they recognize this. Actually, we all have a part in, in improving uh, the health within these spaces and educating and helping the designers. So it was I, I don't want to say it was an easy, easy pitch, but it was certainly, um, you know, an interesting conversations because they understood it immediately. Yeah. And that was and that was really refreshing. Hey listeners, it's Jane Dagmy, editor in chief of Designers Today. I'm so glad you found our podcast. Did you also know that we print our magazine eight times a year and mail it to your home or office? Yes. Interior design professionals can request a complimentary subscription by simply going to designerstoday.com and clicking on the button at the top that says subscribe. It's that simple. And while you're there, if you hit the newsletter tab, you can sign up for our weekly news as well as that of our sister publications. And now back to our show. That's fantastic. And, you know, it's it's great to be a leader and it's great to jump on something when it's like the first, um, you know, and to really support it. And I, I'm glad you mentioned biophilia. Can we talk a little bit about that? Because I know it's it's a big chunk of yeah, it, we're doing, design. Yeah, we're doing a special uh, hour on biophilic design. It's called Biophilia, the Human Need for Nature. And um, to, to, to kind of tee it up, you know, think of it this way. If, if all of us were to go take a walk into the woods or we were to walk through the forest, um, we would see trees, we would see plants, we would see flowers and animals. If they could talk, what do you think they would say to us? I think they would say, welcome home. Because we need to remember um, that they would think of us as a fellow living organism. Uh, And we need to remember that we are, first and foremost, we are nature. And because we've surrounded ourselves with all these unnatural things like walls and roofs and concrete and plate glass windows that separate us 
from our natural habitat that we were born into. Um, we just, we forget that we're first a, a, a part of nature. I mean, think of all the distractions in our life that are unnatural, phones, computers, and TVs, and all of those things. Um, so what we're going to be talking about with biophilia, um, and for I think most of the listeners will know what that means, but biophilia is essentially bio is nature or living things, and philia is love of, so we have love of nature or love of living things. Um, we're going to be talking about things like prospect and design, excuse me, prospect and refuge, and, and why that's important, because it's part of our inherited, uh, part of the, our, our evolutionary inheritance. And we're going to talk about fractal beauty. Um, it's funny because the word fractal, a lot of people don't know what that is, but most designers uh, instinctively use it on a regular basis. And so, and we're going to talk about why fractal beauty is the number one measured now by science, the number one design aesthetic of all the design tools that designers have. Fractal is the number one most um, revered by the by the human. Can you explain um, without going into the weeds what that is? <laughs> well, think of. Um, yes, I can uh, think of a fir- the leaf of a fern. Okay, that is a classic fractal image. And essentially, it's geometric um, shapes um, that uh, continue at descending or ascending size uh, and scale. So uh, a fern, the the base of the fern, the the leaves are a little longer, but this it has the same image as the leaves at the end of the fern, but they're smaller. So you see that in um, in the stone walls, you see that in um, uh, uh, gosh, the church arches, for instance, and so um, that's fractal beauty, and it, it it prevails. It's throughout our society. It's throughout nature, and you know, fractal beauty and organized complexity. We'll also talk about in terms of being um, the compositional grammar of design. It's really interesting to think of nature and nature's forms and shapes being compositional grammar for the world of design. And, you know, Mike, um, when I did a little bit deeper dive into the fractals and trying to understand it, um, I was really surprised to actually learn that uh, flames, fire, uh, waves, clouds are actually considered part of that whole converse of fractals. And, and, you know, and I was looking for just strictly that geometric mathematical snowflake repetitive type of pattern ascending, mm-hmm. descending. But um, I was, I was really quite surprised. And so that, you know, when, when we have that affinity to, to fire and we st- sit there and we we're kind of gazing at that gas fireplace or even that electric or even, you know, outdoor fire pits, um, you know, you start to wonder and, and start to question, you know, like you have such a connection to it. Why is that? Why do we feel, you know, so connected to watching those flames just flicker and flicker and flicker? And so, again, that is part of that whole fractal um, beauty that Mike's talking about. I mean, I think just you know, when I think about fire, I'm thinking like it is the essence of where we were born. I mean, you know, without fire, you know, we wouldn't have existed and, and continued and sustained. So, you know, and what you just said is 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 part of, and we'll discuss this, but it's part of our evolutionary uh, inheritance. It, this is just this is what's part of our DNA. What you just said, exactly. So I love I love this discussion. Has the pandemic um, brought new light and attention to what you're doing, or is it just? Yeah, I, I think it has. Uh, it, it's important to note that 
uh, the recognition of this started probably in the mid 1980s. Uh, and and uh, there were some studies done in the, in the Philadelphia area at a hospital there. Uh, and that's where this whole sense of health-based design really took root. Um, and and it continued to grow, but, but very, very slowly. In the last 10 years, um, commercial design has erupted um, it, with this Apple's new headquarters. If you haven't seen it yet, for instance, um, is 100% biophilic design. Every workstation has access to sunlight and greenery. Everyone. And so, um, and, but you're right. I think in the last two years, because of the way we've been feeling and the need to feel more comfortable and calm and de-stressed in our home has almost put like an, a little bit of an exclamation point on the, the need for health-based design. I don't, once the pandemic and hopefully soon, but once the pandemic is behind us, uh, I don't think we're just going to fall off the cliff and we're not going to talk about this anymore because there's such an underpinning uh, uh, and, and a growing understanding of this <clears throat> of this need that we have. I don't think it's going to go away, but I do think the pandemic has 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 helped shine a light on Huge. what it is we're doing. Absolutely. And and to add to that, you know, um, a good point in terms of, of Apple and, and the greenery and the sunlight, but we forget that biophilia also includes other elements like thermal and acoustics. And so what we were, what, and, you know, and many others connection to animals, for instance, and, 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 and other humans and so on uh, and water. And, and what we were seeing as with the pandemic pandemic as more and more people were working from home, acoustics became huge uh, discussion you know, working in these, uh, designing these op beautiful open concept spaces, all of a sudden now we were wanting to, you know, close ourselves off into a room so that we could conduct work or, or you know, or, or educate or, you know, entertain. And so it's changing. Um, you know, at one point we said the, that the aging population was going to change the face of interior design, wanting elevators and all these other step-free and zero threshold showers and all these things. But really this whole discussion around, you um, what we've learned and from our homes and how we need to live and work and entertain within them because of COVID that is going to change um, design, especially in residential as you know, and, and we're looking at so many different elements. So you're right, Mike, I strongly believe this is not going to fall off. It's just going to get stronger. And it's interesting because I want to say in the last maybe five, seven years, I don't recall ever having uh, really serious in-depth conversations with people that specialize in acoustics. All of a sudden now I'm having a mass, like a lot of conversations around that. It's a really important component of biophilia that we often forget. We think biophilia is just plants and, and light and it's much, much more than that. More. So, yeah. Right. Not just visual. It's more no. sensory. It's more sensory. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, so just in, in your research, you know, these last couple of years, is there like some something that you learned that just blew you away that <laughs> I know I'm like, you've learned so much, but is there something that just you were like, oh, my goodness, um, just a, a, a fact that blew you away? Well, I, I, I'm going to go back to where it started for me. Um, and if if the listeners haven't read Beauty, Neuroscience and Architecture yet uh, by Don Ruggles, they need to get it uh, <clears throat> because it, it, it's not a single fact, but that was my game changer. Reading that book um, and it's written, it, it has a lot of academic information in it, but it's written very comfortably. It's a good read. Um, 
reading that book just kind of lit the fire under me uh, and and has moved me to do what I've been trying to do these last five or six years. So um, uh, there were some facts, you know, I've already quoted the the uh, doctor out of University of Texas. Um, uh, that really, really stands out to me um, that 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 is that's a game changer for all of us. Uh, but I, my answer is really Don's book, Beauty, Neuroscience and Architecture. Mm-hmm. Linda? And for me, I think it was a little bit more practical experience when, um, you know, as, as my mother ended up in my father passing away, my mother ended up in a retirement home. Um, they couldn't accommodate her on the regular floor. She ended up living, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately for me, on the dementia floor. And um, and and I was seeing and I was seeing, you know, how dire and desperate that builder beige environment was and how these people were really struggling in that. And, uh, you know, we were talking about this in, in, in bits and pieces all along. But um, I think my aha real connection moment was that attending that event at High Point on Design Harmony. I knew it. I was talking about it. We were holding events on it. Just, you know, one event here, one event there. But having lived, having lived that experience and seeing how she struggled in an environment that she shouldn't have been in and then watching uh, others struggle in that environment and realizing the power that the designers had and that aha moment when Mike brought it all together. It was in front of us all the time. It's in front of us. It's just we don't connect the dots and at some point when we do, it's that explosion of firecrackers just went off and I haven't and I you know hit the ground running and I haven't stopped. And I, I think that was, you know, that was really the moment of everything coming together. Right. So, Jane, right. I, I, you know, I, you made me think of one other thing, and it's not so much a fact of aha moment for me, uh, but there is a uh, there's a lot of gratification um, once you see you know, with what we're trying to do, once we see people implementing it uh, uh, locally here, I'm in South Florida and uh, there's a, a, a foster home for badly abused little girls. There are four different homes up in the Palm Beach area. And I've been associated working with them in the past. And um, uh, they, they, they decorate, they design a, um, they have a new enrichment center uh, for the, for the young girls. And so they let me make a presentation to them on health-based design and using a lot of biophilia and they're bringing in 18 different designers to do different rooms and so i presented to all of the designers uh, several months ago and now the entire facility is going to be 100 percent design harmony uh biophilic design and so when you get to make when you when you can make a little bit of a difference like that because we exactly. know the healing power of biophilia and now those girls are going to have a nurturing environment because we were able to share some information with them. That's that's the gratification that comes with this. That's beautiful, Mike. That's like I'm practically crying. I'm very much supportive of creating beautiful, nurturing, health-based mm-hmm. <laughs> change in these you know facilities. And there's so many of it, so many. We, we are at the livable. We'll have um, a Mary Connell speaking about the butterfly project that came that originated out of the UK. That's taking biophilia and, and, and color and a lot of these elements and adding them into the memory care floors. And, you know, and, and why I'm so passionate about, you know, that experience and understanding it, especially from a designer, is, is that everything begins at home. You first discover your, your loved ones that do have a progressive condition 
in the home. Um, and, and, you know, and so if you can, if you as designers get called upon to, um, you know, redesign those spaces or, or something as simple as changing out um, and adding elements that are going to help that individual live, um, you know, safer, secure, comfortably and at ease, you're doing so much more for not just for those individuals, but for their families and their caregivers too. So it all kind of comes together. And, and you know, and, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Shelly Rosenberg. She specializes yeah. in, in um, she's doing a Kips um, Boys and Girls um, Dallas home. And she's using these elements in um, for an, uh, a children's room that, uh, you know, they're focusing on autism. So there's so many opportunities, but for your listeners and for the designers that hopefully will, uh, you know, we can encourage them to come to the Science and Design Summit. They will have many takeaways and really um, oh, start yeah. to connect with this community and, and, and have that opportunity to learn from each other as they themselves uh, start to grow and, or add these services into their uh, practice into their design practice they're doing it anyway they just many of them just don't know um how to connect the dots or the lexicon that they use to meet they, that they need or like mike said the the whole branding package that they need to pull this all together one last question for each of you with what you've learned how have you like is there a change you have made in your own home based on all the information that you've gathered that uh is in line with this it, it, uh, yes, um, <clears throat> the change for me is is to position myself in my home uh, to be able to sit inside a refuge and sanctuary and look out on the prospect of life. And that's that's a that's a great example of prospect and refuge, which we will talk about at the summit. But the fact and it, it it's it's been around. I mean, it's been important to us for hundreds of thousands of years. Um, as a species. So uh, I'm a very much appreciative of the view uh, to the outside world and how it, again, the connection with nature, uh, how it kind of calms me and settles me. So yes. Linda? And for me, actually, it was a really big decision. I had, um, uh, as a single mom, I owned a house in Toronto, Canada, um, for, for 32 years. Um, it was it was my pride and joy, uh, small 1953 bungalow, small little windows. And uh, when I met my partner 12 years ago, he had purchased a property um, out on Lake Erie and um, a, a two hour drive from Toronto. And it was designed with almost floor to ceiling windows and, and mm -hmm. you know, just that connection to nature and it was beautiful. And um, we decided you know, we were going to sell one of the units and uh, one of the homes and, and kind of merge together and, and pick one place to live. And it was, a, it was not a tough decision for me to leave Toronto, to leave my family, to leave my children, to move there. Why? Because the connection, the, like just walking into that space and seeing the, from all the windows, elements of nature, whether it's the river, um, the trees, the, you know, the flowers, and, and the other change that's happening right now is, is it was his place and he designed it. He comes from the furniture industry, love him to pieces, but he designed everything um, gray, gray and more gray. And as a matter of fact, uh, yesterday we were actually sitting down and looking at I was sitting down looking at the furnishings in the dining room. And I said, um, we've got to change those chairs. Like gray <laughs> leather. And he said, do you know how much each one of these leather chairs cost me? Like, you know, they're they're leather dining room chairs. And I said, I don't care. I can't live with all this gray. It has to change. And he said, accessorize with color. And I said, no, it, it, I have to have more elements of color. Like you've done everything from the floor to the walls, the ceiling to the furniture in gray. 
I can't live like this. I don't even want to look at the inside of the home. So it's changing. Actually, Um, we're changing out the furnishings. It's going to cost us some money, but I'm prepared because my health, my connection to nature, the serotonin that bursts when I see out there those magnificent windows. Um, oh my gosh, I love it. So I guess if you can't do what I did and move to a place that's got bigger windows, uh, maybe in your own place, you might want to consider, um, you know, how, how are you seeing the views of nature if you're not seeing them within your own space? So that's it for me, but significant change, but um I'm very, very excited. Like, I think you could probably tell if you were looking at me right now, the smile on my face, I think it was probably the best move for me and, um, and for my health. And I, I can validate. Yes. Linda has a big smile. For <laughs> <sure>. <laughs> um, this has been fantastic. Um, very inspiring. And um, I thank you both for, for coming and talking about what you're doing and how you're, how you want to change design and open up people's minds so yeah any last words that you think i we didn't cover no i just want i I would like to say thank you to you though jane Uh, you've been a supporter uh over the last several years you've been watching this develop and so thank you for letting us uh, share some of our thoughts and to everybody listening um we'll see you at the summit Thanks so much for listening to said. I sincerely hope you got something of value from the podcast that feeds your brain and fills your heart. If you like the podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. If you're in the interior design trade and related industries and would like to sign up for a complimentary subscription to the printed or digital magazine, visit designers right now and sign up until next time.